0: stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge.
1: Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by a new guest, Andrew Rocco, who is a stock strategist here at Zach's. He just joined us here. And so this is his first appearance on the Market Edge podcast, and I'm glad, as I know all of you are, to have some new guests on the podcast, some new blood, some new insights. And we're going to talk about growth stocks today, specifically the Fangman plus Tesla. I always add the Tesla in on that group now. Are they back? I thought they were dead. I thought it was over last year. We didn't have to talk about Fangman ever again. But maybe not. Maybe growth is seeing a resurgence here in 2023. We know some of them are. And maybe we were a little bit quick in saying it was over for the growth stocks. So welcome to the podcast, Andrew.
0: Hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm uh, excited to be here for my first Zach's podcast.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, I'm glad you're here because as people listening know, I'm the value stock strategist at Saks and I run the value investor portfolio at Saks. So growth is not my thing and but it is yours. So I was glad to hear that when we were discussing what we could talk about on this podcast. And I, you know, I'm confused with what's going on with growth uh, this year can you know what what is happening can you fill us in.
0: Yeah I would say that. When we have a correction like we did in 2022. I think that all growth stocks are going to get hit and they're going to get hit more than the market so in an up market for example I think they tend to move about three times the market to the upside on average three times the S&P for example the the Tesla's of the world the Microsoft's and and Google's of the world. And then unfortunately for growth investors like myself, if you get caught on a losing trade, it's going to do the same thing when those valuations compress. And then that's when a value trader like yourself or a value investor is really going to outperform to the upside. So in my view, the market kind of goes in cycles. I I think the last 10 years has been more uh, oriented towards growth. Um, Growth has outperformed. With that said, of course, there have been value winners, uh, but 2022 was definitely a standout year for value type investors, like an AQR or or a Warren Buffett. Those type of investors are going to outperform when those valuations are coming down and and valuations become more important in a market like that, in my view.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, what does that mean? for 2023, those because valuations of the growth stocks did come down. I know Meta at one point was trading around 13 times forward earnings, but it's not anymore. It's trading at 18.9 times because the shares are up 54% year to date. So it's not, that's still not, you know, nosebleed levels by any means, but it's not as cheap as it used to be. And then looking at a couple of the others, obviously uh, Amazon still remains on the Fangman, the most expensive at 70 times. But a lot of people argue it it never got much below 50 ever. And then you had um, Nvidia at 52 times, so that's up there. It's up big though year to date, up 64 percent. And then if you had Tesla on there, they're now trading at 49 times so um have we seen enough of the uh contraction in their valuations you know going yes. into this year or, or what what is what's happening with the growth side on the valuation front front
0: yeah so i would first kind of preface this with the fact that changes in interest rates tend to change how we look at at PEs, and and furthermore High growth companies with innovative products. So think about a Tesla and Nvidia. They typically command higher PEs because investors are willing to pay up for that growth. I remember when everyone was saying, "Oh my God, Tesla is the same market cap as GM." GM's been in business and whenever they started, you know, hundreds so years ago. Um, but but what I think people were missing was that Tesla had. That insane growth when they're still growing at about 50% a year for example uh, compounded. So I don't think you could just look at the raw PE I think you need to size up the PE with the growth expectations now of course if if the company does not grow at the rate that investors are expecting again it's going to get hit and it's going to get hit hard. Um, But I think that's what's happening is I believe valuations have come in enough and the reason these stocks are still higher valuation relative to the market is because their future growth is expected to outpace uh, most of their peers. Now, some stocks like a AMC, for example, th- their valuation has come o- come in a lot, and I don't think their future growth prospects are going to be great. So they probably have more to go. But the quality companies, which in my opinion are the the FANG type stocks, I believe. Um, they've come down a lot, but I always like to have an if-then approach. So I'm I'm not just sticking my flag in the sand and saying this is it. The lows are in. The PEs have come in enough. I'm going to have stop losses and and risk management. And if the trades start to go against me, of course, I'm going to I- adapt with that. But I think that's what we're seeing right now uh,
1: currently. So out of the Fangman plus Tesla, obviously they're all kind of different. Well, they are different. Um. They're all in different industries, even. We kind of tend to lump them all together. Oh, these kind of techie, you know, growth stocks, we'll just call them Fangman, and they're all, you know, together. But they never have been, and certainly even here in 2023, they aren't. Is there one or two out of the Fangman plus Tesla that you like the story more for this year than some of the others?
0: Yeah, I would say I, I would maybe give you three but uh, meta would oh, be amongst amongst my favorite. Um, today they just announced they had uh, 2 billion daily active users for the first time ever. Uh, I think what oh. hurt them a, a little bit more than people realize is the shift to the metaverse where where Zuckerberg was piling in all of these resources to the metaverse changing the name from Facebook to meta. Um, I don't think that was great in in the short term, and I think it really uh, lowered the confidence of long term investors. They were kind of had this scattered plan going forward. Uh, but a couple things I like about Meta, um, they're doing stock buybacks, so they kind of are putting a floor in. They're dramatically increasing that stock buyback program. Um, they're seeing a ton of international growth in the Asia Pacific region uh, specifically. And then they have the new offering, which is Reels, which is like the short videos that you see on Instagram. It's sort of like a TikTok, but on Instagram. And that's becoming super popular. I find myself just scrolling through those and I'm not a TikTok person, but I guess they found their way to Instagram and now they suck me in that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think the Reels portion is really interesting because they have not monetized that yet or they haven't fully monetized that. So I think if they can monetize that reels uh, properly their growth is going to pick back up again on the social side and then hopefully you'll see um, their earnings come in from the metaverse eventually but that's sort of more of a, a long term uh, perspective. Another thing I would mention is last quarter they had that monster quarter they beat Zach's consensus by about forty percent and it's moved to a Zax rank buy. One thing I like is when a stock gaps up on earnings and it has massive volume, especially a large cap like Meta, it gapped up about 20% on massive volume. And it's kind of just moved sideways. So that tells me that there was institutional demand. I mean, you're not gonna move Meta without institutional demand for for 20%. It's just not possible. So there's a lot of institutional demand. And then even though the stock has moved up, it's just kind of held tight, which tells me there's not a lot of Selling pressure after such a big move, so I would say that's that's uh, bullish from a technical perspective. There,
1: what's your what's your next favorite?
0: Uh, I would say Nvidia is is my next favorite. They're the true market leader uh, as far as growth and innovation in my view. Uh, they're at the forefront of growing industries such as crypto, gaming, and I think the biggest one is going to be AI. Um, yeah. For for example on on the crypto side. Even though you know Bitcoin has come down some of these. Um, lesser known coins have, have blown up we've seen FTX. The good thing about Nvidia is they're not selling the crypto itself they're sort of selling the, the shovel to the gold miners if you will so if someone yeah. is mining Bitcoin they're going to need Nvidia if someone's uh, looking to implement AI they're going to be. Uh, needing NVIDIA chips. So the demand is, is really there even though they saw a little bit of a, a slowing growth I think they're starting to turn it around with the stock market and the economy. Uh, with that said the stocks up like ten weeks in a row now so I, I wouldn't okay. personally be be chasing it of course it depends on the, the time frame. Um, one thing I did notice actually earlier today someone bought six hundred of the June twenty twenty five calls so that's about eight million. In premium, so that's a pretty big bet on the long term. Of course, it's just one player, but I I thought that was an interesting trade. And then another thing I would say is Dan Loeb, uh, famous investor billionaire, he just took a passive stake in AMD. So they're seeing a lot of belief in the semiconductors. I think they'll start to out or continue to outperform. Uh, However, Nvidia has come a long way in a short time, so I wouldn't be chasing it up here. I'd wait for a pullback or some consolidation.
1: OK, that's that's some good advice, because I was wondering, like, should I get in here? It's up 64 percent year to date already, and it's not that cheap, but it does have the good outlook. As you mentioned, earnings expected to be up 34 uh, percent this year and then another 33 percent. So the analysts are super bullish on it, um, but it does seem a little stretched.
0: Yep, exactly. And and I found that anytime I've chased a breakout in a momentum stock. It's rarely a good idea especially when everyone is is so bullish. So usually you have to keep investors honest um, so to speak. Uh, So maybe they'll get a shakeout or a pullback and that will will give you some opportunity. But on these momentum stocks it's tough to chase them because when they pull back they can really pull back uh, quite hard.
1: What do you think about Microsoft since you brought up the AI. Um, being, you know, a thing with NVIDIA. Obviously, it is a thing with Microsoft, but the shares initially got a bump on the news, but they're only up 6.6% year to date right now. They're not that cheap at 27 times, but is is this a buying opportunity in Microsoft for the AI reasons or, or not?
0: Yeah, so I think Microsoft is sort of gonna be a market performer. Yeah. Uh, And I think the market is going to go up over the next year. So if I had to buy or sell, I would buy it. The problem with Microsoft is it's so large, it's really going to be hard to move the needle in the short term with the chat GPT, in in my opinion. With that said, I, I, I believe chat GPT just from my personal experience using it, um, the hype around it, ChatGPT, is the quickest. I believe it's the quickest software to grow to 1 million daily active users. So it beat out, I don't know, MySpace, uh, parts of the internet, certain websites. So the growth, you can't deny that the, um, the the product itself. They're still working on perfecting, but it's obviously already pretty. Powerful, but just that core business is already so large. You need to be able to move the needle. So that's why I'm just saying I think it will market uh, perform. It's a big shift to kind of uh, move the needle in. Um, But yeah, the stock has regained the 200 day moving average, which I look at as a positive uh, from a technical perspective.
1: What do you think about the fan favorite of Apple? It's always being talked about, many, many people own it um it just got an upgrade from goldman sachs for the first time since 2017 uh to a buy but they have a new analyst there so the the last analyst wasn't a fan (laughs) of apple and and wasn't willing to rate him as a buy for all those years but um he's out of there they got someone new in there who is joining the party it sounds like but you know sales don't look that great for this year earnings don't look that great you know maybe flat to down a bit and then kind of slowish type of growth going forward but the shares aren't that cheap but where do you put apple in there because i know so many people are in it or want to be in it
0: yeah so i would actually put apple above microsoft i don't think it's going to bring you the the biggest returns one year from now or two years from now just solely because of the size factor like like Microsoft yeah. suffers from but um moving beyond the analysts i would say warren buffett owns 112 billion worth of apple of course he bought a lot of that lower but he continues yeah. to buy it so it's never a bad bet when when warren buffett owns that much i think it makes up about 42% of his portfolio over there at, at Berkshire, so yeah. uh, it's it's a very yeah. consistent company. So even though the growth has flo- uh, slowed a bit, it's it's not going to drop off too much because of their ecosystem. It's really tough to break away. For example, if you're in a group chat and someone has an Android phone, everyone kind of just stunned them. They're like, oh, you don't have the blue bubble or the green bubble, whatever. <laughs> it is. Right. And, and um, you know you have your iStorage, you have your iMac, so it makes it really tough to move away from. Uh, I'm a yeah. PC guy from my computer, but I could never see myself getting rid of the iPhone, for example. Uh, another thing is their stock buybacks. They're, they always are putting off a ton of cash, and they continue to do massive amounts of stock buybacks, which in my mind puts in a floor for the stock. And with Warren Buffett right pushing that and him being such a big shareholder i don't see that slowing down uh, also they're super efficient as a company they have a return i had to double check this they had a return on equity of 175% so any cash they put into the business they're getting massive returns on they have a really efficient uh, business so i would say outperform but not going to be the the top stock out of the the bunch that we're talking about a year from now okay
1: what about some of the ones that are struggling a bit? Um, And I would put, you know, Netflix in there, Amazon, those are maybe the two biggies that, you know, have had, well, Meta was struggling, or maybe still is, but, you know, that's, that was like last year, and now it's rebounded. But Amazon keeps announcing, you know, they had the layoffs, and then they keep announcing these kind of small little announcements that I'm not quite sure why they're why they're even doing it. So I did hear even just today I thought I heard Amazon um is shutting down like 8 of the Amazon Go stores, but uh they have more than that. So I'm not sure why they're not just shutting down all of them, but they're not. And then they they announced last week I think it was that they are pausing construction on the second building at their HQ2 headquarters there in Arlington Virginia. Remember they won the contest (laughs) along with Nashville and then they built the first building apparently and that is going to open by this summer. But given layoffs and reduced hiring now they you know don't need the second building as quickly so they're pausing they do they did say they do expect to finish it complete it but this is a company that did over 500 billion in revenue last year so i'm not sure you know whether or not they do or don't build that second building is even relevant really but um you know, some of this is showing that Amazon is taking the cost cutting seriously, I feel, because, you know, Jesse is just across the board on a lot of the retail side, especially. you know, all the all the bookstores were closed. Um, they had that other store that was selling like the popular products. I don't even remember the name off the top of my head. Those were all closed. They were building out the Amazon fresh supermarkets, but then, that was kind of halted and now they're not proceeding on some of those but I'm not I think the other ones are operating um but it looks like that's kind of being cut back as well and now we have the word that they're closing some of these Amazon goes and um so what do you make of an Amazon here it's still trading at 70 times but like I said it's always been expensive um and it's not uh, I don't know. It's just it's in some of these businesses that are really low margin, like it's Whole Foods, like the grocery stores. And maybe that's not the way they want to go. I don't know. What do you what's your take on Amazon?
0: Yeah. So I would I would focus my attention for Amazon on AWS and the e-commerce business. I think the go, okay. well, that's not great to see. I think it's such a small part of the business that it it won't really impact things. I would say that the reasons for amazon's kind of downtrend over the last year and a half or so is is really the economy and the stock market you know three and four stocks are going to follow the stock market uh, Amazon has come a long way they kind of turned on that profit spigot so the stocks run a long way even in the long term if you look at a long-term chart it, it's ran so long and then anytime you have an iconic CEO like a Jeff Bezos or a you um, you know, Apple CEO when he left, it it took a while uh, for for Apple to get its bearings again. So I think Amazon is kind of in that mode uh, where you know Apple had Steve Jobs leave, and then for a year it was like, is Tim Cook really the guy? Are they really going to get the business going? So I think investors kind of have one foot out the door as far as that goes. Uh, yeah. But from a long term perspective. I think Amazon is super attractive for a couple of reasons. And you can talk more on the value part than I can but the price to sales is the lowest since 2015 so that's pretty significant. In my eyes I think the economy might have made. Profitability maybe come down a bit. Um, The stock is coming into major support from a technical perspective so it's super choppy if you look at like a short term chart. Um, But if you look at a longer term chart from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty so a two year consolidation took place. And now we're pulling into that zone so a big breakout zone when we pull back to that in my view a big prior breakout tends to act as support especially on these longer term charts. so I can't tell you what it's going to do today or tomorrow but I would suspect. Six months a year two years from now it would get support in that. Big zone, um, okay. and then yeah. So those are kind of my main points for for Amazon.
1: Yeah, I own Amazon in my own personal portfolio, but um, I didn't buy it until um, AWS was actually like a decent amount of their business, and then I only bought it because of AWS. Like, I actually think they stink at the retail side. Even as e-commerce, I mean, they're great at the distribution and delivery and all of that, but they could never make any money off that. Like the margins still yeah. stink. <laughs> so, but AWS gave them the margins and f- good free cash flow. So that was like the genius business, basically. Um, exactly. So, yeah, uh, it is. It is a complicated company for sure, and uh, you know we have to give. Jassy a little bit more time to do what he's doing. And he just happened to you know take over right when things were slowing for off the pandemic. So he's dealing with the ramifications of that. Um, as you said, the price to sales ratio is extremely low. I am kind of surprised at what it's at. It's at 1.87 right now. So yeah. yeah, for any kind of these tech companies, that's really, really low. So um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, what about Netflix on the streaming side? We all know the problems all the streamers are having. That it's just that's that's not a good business either. <laughs> like you, yeah, that's why I've never owned Netflix in my own personal portfolio. I have used it, and I think I've mentioned that I still I still get the DVDs, the red envelopes in the mail because yes, there are still some movies that are not streaming everywhere that Netflix will ship to me in the mail. But apparently there's about a million of us who still get DVDs. Yeah, they um, (laughs) actually did this whole thing on the 20th anniversary a couple of years ago of the red things because I didn't even realize this. Apparently, I was one of the more original, like early people. (laughs) who is still having it and so they were very nice to us they were sending us all these emails like you know celebrating the 20th anniversary of the red envelope and everything wow um but the service is still there with the red envelope you can get like all the movies you know comes just as quick in the mail on the dvds but um the flip side is i still get i get the streaming too and that you know they're, they're just having a lot of difficulties with content generation, which is why I never wanted to own the stock. Like I don't like companies where they have to continuously come up with some kind of new content to keep you on board. <laughs> and this was always the problem I had with uh, a stock like Lionsgate, um any of the movie studios, any of them, um, because, you know, you can have, Hunger Games and then the Twilight franchise. That was like phenomenal for Lionsgate. And they were like crushing it, but they went away. (laughs) Like you can only have so many episodes of it. And then they have to have the new hunger games but that's not easy you have to spend a lot of money and throw things up against the wall and hope something sticks up there and that you happen you know like netflix did to get you know bridgerton or hbo max got the white lotus but they didn't know then they have to make five other white lotuses that fail to get the one white lotus and it all costs a ton of money so what do you think about netflix those that stock came way down used to trade at like 90 times earnings for forever it is much cheaper now um they've raised prices to handle some of the costs but what what is going on with the streamers or any of them like disney you know what are the other ones warner or whatever that one is um mm-hmm. paramount right so is this an area for the the growth investors should they be in in a netflix well,
0: First off, I think if there's a Netflix executive listening, they need to sponsor your podcast due to your longevity. That's the first <laughs> point. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, I, I'm i in agreement with you. I think that first of all, Netflix is my least favorite of the Fang names currently. As you okay. said, it's highly competitive. It, it's uh, yeah. capital intensive. We have HBO Max. Uh, I did like the recent murder. If you haven't watched the I forget what it's called, but it's the the documentary about oh, that documentary. Murdoch case. Yeah. That was yeah. fascinating. But again, they have to throw a bunch of these against the wall and and hope one of them sticks. So it's not right. a, my favorite business. Um, the stock has already had a large move and it's breaking down below its fifty day moving average. So the technicals are not okay. ideal. Um, investors are not liking the price cuts, so they recently introduced those price cuts. And ever since then, the stock has been falling. So I like to take my feedback from the, the price action in the market, and the, the price action in Netflix is telling me that they don't welcome those cuts. It could prove to be a right decision later on, but for now, investors are, are selling on that news. Um, I mentioned competition is is heating up. And yeah, so if the stock has a deeper pullback, I think it would be attractive maybe for a bounce. And I think for the most part, the FANG stocks are going to follow the market direction. But uh, against, let's say, a meta, it it would uh, be my least favorite in in the FANG uh, space.
1: And the only other one in FANG man that we haven't mentioned yet is Google or Alphabet. And that one, I feel alphabet. I own it in my own personal portfolio as well. but it's just it doesn't really have a direction at the moment. I feel. Um you know, it it was a big winner during the pandemic. Once ah uh, you know, everybody was at home watching YouTube, basically, YouTube was became an incredible business during the pandemic. But even they are starting to feel the pullback in the advertising. And just people going out into the world and not not watching these things as often, and they just lost their CEO at at YouTube. She's left, but they have um, put in there someone who's been at the company for many years, so I wasn't too worried about that. But then you have the AI uh, kind of debacle that happened <laughs> at Alphabet, right. and and we do have the pullback just in advertising in general. And that's going to impact them for sure, Uh, you know, this year, probably into early next year as well. Then we have the issue of they also have laid off people that they overhired. They've gotten or brought back, right, Sergey and uh, those guys, the original founders are kind of back on the scene. So what does that mean? I don't know what what are you thinking about Google? It's it's up this year, but only seven percent. It is among the cheaper on a PE basis at about eighteen point six times.
0: Yeah, so I would agree with you. In the short term, that price action has been super frustrating in in Google. I've I've traded in and out of it a, a few times, but I think uh, Google it's worth looking at from that longer term perspective. So, in all of these names, really, the time frame is is going to be important to consider for investors. If you have a different time frame from me, you might have a, a different opinion, and we could both be correct. But yeah. I think for something like an Amazon or a Google, it's really worth taking that long-term perspective. Uh, one thing I would mention is when a stock is really choppy in the short term, what I like to do is zoom out from a technical perspective. And okay. uh, since inception, Google has or Alphabet that they call it now has tested its fifty-month Simple moving average five different times, and four of those times marked a major bottom. Uh, And the only time that really undercut it significantly was 08. So, right now we have that PE contraction, the valuation is getting super attractive, and we're at that longer term uh, buy zone. And it's got the lowest valuation since I believe the IPO at around 20 times earnings. So, from a valuation and a longer term Technical perspective, I think it's it's at a discount right now, and if you have if if you can withstand a little bit of short term volatility, I think it will pay off in the long term. Uh, from a, a kind of a company perspective, I believe those fears around the Microsoft Chat GPT are a little bit overblown. Obviously, it wasn't a good look, but I think they can ultimately challenge Chat GPT. I think they have. The, the data necessary and the experience especially with the the original CEOs uh, coming back into play. So I think they're capable of creating a staunch competitor to chat GPT and I don't think that chat GPT directly. competes, at least at this moment with Google I could be wrong in the future as it gets better. Um, but for now I think it's it's not in direct competition so I think those fears are a bit overblown so I like it from a okay. longer term
1: perspective and then um you know i guess we'll we'll wrap it up by talking about tesla the addition to fangman it's up big this year up 57 percent um they recently had an investor day where I don't know what happened. Not much is what I I gathered. I didn't watch the entire thing. I only saw the bits and pieces that were kind of shown out there, but they did not announce any kind of new car models. And they said that they will not be um, rolling out the truck this year, at least. So that was rather disappointing. But uh, they're selling a lot of whatever cars they do have out there. So what do you make of Tesla after this big rally?
0: Yeah, and I like that you prefaced it with after this big rally. So it's up 100% in like two months to the underside Mm -hmm. of the 200 day moving average. So I wouldn't be falling out of my chair to to chase it here. Uh, A few months back, the oversold levels, I I use a percent Williams R, but any of the oversold levels were at historic lows and the sentiment was really bad. Everyone was saying Tesla's going to 50. So that was a little bit more attractive in my view. Ah, uh, for now, I think it's 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 a wait and see. I think the company is still growing fast. In fact, no one is growing yeah. as fast as Tesla for that size. And what I like to say is, for institutions, really, the magic elixir is when you have growing uh, growth like Tesla has, are growing at fifty percent compounded, and you have liquidity. And I watched that investor day, and actually, at the end of that investor day. Ah, uh, Will Danoff, who manages the Fidelity Contra Fund, which is one of the largest and most successful uh, mutual funds out there. He was asking questions, and and he seemed to like it. So I wouldn't be surprised if Contra Fund eventually takes a position. And when those guys take a position, it's it's generally like an elephant into the bathtub. They're they're getting into that yeah. stock for years. They're they're buying a ton of stock. So uh, from yeah. a short-term perspective, again, I like like Nvidia. I wouldn't be chasing here into the two hundred day moving average after a hundred percent move I would maybe. Give it some time let it set up maybe get over that two hundred consolidate a bit so I don't think there's a rush. Um, but I would say one thing says says is uh, They always suffer from supply constraints rather than demand so as long as long as they can continue to ramp up. Their production I think they're going to continue to grow at a, at a rapid pace. And they're also looking to vertically integrate uh, with lithium. So I don't think they've made right. any um, moves yet, but I think they were. I think the stock is SGML. They're looking at a, a few lithium stocks, and and if they're able to vertically integrate a little bit more, then they'll uh, be able to increase those margins over the long term. So um, I would definitely look for it to set up over the next few months, but I'm in no rush uh, at the current levels. I'd say.
1: Well that was a good uh, overview of the Fangman plus Tesla but what what should uh, people listening in take from you know just looking at each of these individual stocks like we just did some are up you know only 5% here year to date others are up 64% year to date um, you know what what Should we be looking for for you know heading into the summer per se?
0: Sure. So I I would say a few things would be number one, um, know why you're in the stock that you're in. So as we talked about Google, for example, we talked that the valuation is super low. It's coming into that uh, really long term technical zone. Um, But it's under its moving averages it's choppy so you have to know your time frame I think in order to be successful and you have to know why you're in the stock. You don't want to just pick it because it's a quick glance and it looks good you want to know the reasons behind it and that's going to give you the conviction to hold it. The other thing I would say is you want to focus on the overall market direction. So I think that not you, you can never be certain where the market is going to go in my view. Um, due to a variety of different factors like sentiment, seasonality, breadth, um, markets like split government, which we have right now. And some of the technicals, for example, the S&P 500 is back above the 200-day moving average. So I, in my view, I would say the market is going to move higher over the next six months to a year. I could be wrong. So I'd say i like to have high conviction, loosely held. Um, But if that's the case, three and four stocks follow the market direction you so you could expect most of these stocks to go which one you decide to be in um, depends on your personal preference preference and your investing style but uh, those were would be some things i would consider
1: that's some good advice do you own any of the stocks in your own personal portfolio
0: i do i own tesla and nvidia currently i'll probably be in a few more um, some of them I swing trade, and then I, I also have longer-term accounts. So it really depends on that. But for me, recently there's been so much action in in just the general market. So that's yeah. that's been fun. There's been industrials have been great. Um, newer stocks like Airbnb are setting up with the gap up on earnings. Um, yeah. I've also ventured into some international stocks. So my favorite maybe international and in stock overall would be like a mercado libre which is sort of the amazon okay. of of latin america um yeah. they have phenomenal growth they're also quite attractive from a valuation perspective so um i i do tr- I like to trade the Feng names because of the liquidity and they're never going to hopefully gap down you know 30 or 40% in one day so they're they're more stable than most other stocks which is nice
1: Well, maybe i'll have to have you back on again so we can talk about the international stocks because we haven't really covered that that much on the podcast over the years because they have been so out of favor even you know well we we discussed the chinese stocks i shouldn't say that so we have discussed some international stocks but it was mostly you know alibaba jd.com those those types of stocks we haven't really covered the rest of the world much And suddenly it seems like international stocks could be the place to be in 2023. And there are some great um, growth names that you can be in that, you know, are outside of China that people might not be aware of. So I'll have to have you back on to talk about those. Yeah, so this is fun. Um, Okay, so let's recap the tickers we talked about today. So there was meta platforms ticker M E T A. Amazon, AMZN, Netflix, NFLX, Alphabet, G-O-O-G-L, Microsoft, MSFT, Apple, AAPL, NVIDIA, NVDA, and Tesla, TSLA, and Andrew on Mercado Libre there at the end. And that one, in case you're just wondering, um, is M-E-L-I m as a mary e l as in larry i and uh, in my own personal portfolio as i mentioned earlier i do own amazon alphabet and microsoft i used to own meta i owned it for nine years but i sold it last year because i didn't want to own the metaverse so it had to go um but otherwise be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode because when i have andrew back on to talk about international stocks you want to get it so you can get us on apple you can get us on spotify we're on amazon music too we're on so of these fangman platforms You can just Google us as well and I'm sure you'll find the Zach's Market Edge and be sure to get us somewhere, but I'll see you again next week with some more stocks.
0: This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zacks Investment Research as a whole.